This morning I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to the very first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew. We're going to be in the book of Matthew this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter number 14. And specifically, we're going to be reading verses 22 through 33. This should be a familiar passage of Scripture to you. Uh, and uh, you'll understand that a little bit more as we get into the text. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, They were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come unto the ship, the wind ceased. Then they they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. The title of the message this morning is in the form of a question. And uh, it perhaps is a question that you may have asked multiple times in your life. What am I doing? What am I doing? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We are thankful for your mercy and grace. We rejoice in being able to be together again as a congregation and to be here to worship you and serve you. Lord, we know that part of our worship is to preaching of your word and the reading of your word and we ask that you'd give us understanding and Lord as we try to make the messages relevant to our practical lives and our daily living here on this earth we pray that you'd help us Lord to understand our purpose here to not be frustrated with setbacks and to desire to ultimately lead a life that brings honor and glory unto your holy name we thank you for who you are we thank you for what you've done We ask that you'd guide in the services today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What am I doing? There are times and situations in all of our lives when we stop and ask ourselves that question. What am I doing? Now, we may be in a state of bewilderment and really what we're thinking we might ask the question to ourselves, what am I doing? But we really might be thinking this. Have I lost my mind? <laughs> I mean, am I really doing this? I mean, what on earth am I thinking? What am I doing? 
Now, I hope that all of us can relate to that, unless we're some sort of a robot, superhuman being that never questions our motives and our actions here on this earth, and I don't think that any of us fit into that. Um, But in our text, Jesus has just performed this miracle of feeding 5,000. And the disciples, those that were closest to him, had spent many times with him in his presence when he had performed miracles. And after the Lord performs this miracle of feeding the 5,000, he dispatches his disciples into a ship and tells them to go to the other side and wait for him. He himself goes to spend some time alone praying and meditating and being with the Heavenly Father. So the disciples are out in the midst of the sea in this ship and a turbulent storm arises. It's the middle of the night. They're frightened. They don't know where Jesus is at. They're wondering why Jesus has left them in this situation. And then they see what they perceive to be a spirit walking on the water. Now, it was a popular uh, belief amongst the Jews, and I think when I tell you this, you'll understand it's still popular today. It's a popular belief amongst the Jews that the spirits of dead relatives would come and visit them at some point in their lives. And they were afraid of it. We might call this an apparition or a ghost. <clears throat> there are many that believe in, <clears throat> in that today. And so they literally thought that they were seeing a ghost. And they're afraid. And Jesus calms their fears by saying, Now, settle down. Be of good cheer. It's I. Don't be afraid. It's me. And of course, in the midst of this, Peter, and I hope that you understand the sense in which I say this, Peter, as only Peter could do, gets himself into this situation where if you use a little bit of imagination, you can just hear Peter asking himself with the angst in his voice as he is out literally of the boat on the water in the midst of this turbulent storm, we might call it a hurricane, asking himself, what am I doing? (laughs) What? Why did I get out of that boat? What is wrong with me? What am I doing? Well, you know, it would do us well to question in our own lives how we respond to these situations where we are left asking ourselves, what am I doing? What have I done? Have you ever thought to yourself when you've made a decision and you're sitting there and you're going, what have I done? What am I doing? Well, we can't just ignore these thoughts and these impulses. We must address them. If we don't, they'll continue to linger and cause doubt in our minds as to whether or not we're right with the Lord. And so, how do we we respond when we are faced with these times in our lives where we literally ask ourselves, what am I doing? Well, there are three questions. So we're answering a question with, with, the, with three questions. But I trust that you'll see where we're going with this. There, there are three questions that we should ask ourselves 
when we are wondering, what am I doing? I'll give you the questions, and then we'll look at the text. The first question we should ask when we find ourselves asking ourselves, what am I doing? We should ask, have I been authorized to proceed? Have I been authorized to proceed? The second question, am I apprehensive of the perception? I'll explain more about these as we go into them. And then the third question we should ask, and we find this in, in, in the life of Peter, am I reacting to what is only an appearance of peril? In other words, am I overreacting to something that really is not a reality? Those are three questions that we should ask when we are wondering, what am I doing? The first question, have I been authorized to proceed? We should always start, and we're going to find ourselves, we're going to find ourselves in these situations where we're asking, what am I doing? And, I'm, I, and before we start, let me just give you a few examples. Uh, and I'm going to be personal. Okay, so if you don't want this on on the sermon audio, we can delete it, right? So, Brother Steve, Brother Steve just retired in 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 August after years and years of working. You know, there may have been times when Brother Steve was sitting around at home going, "What am I doing? I'm in good health. I could still be working. I could still be making this amount of money. What am I doing?" There were times, Cody told me this, uh, right after he married Lauren. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. He, did, he didn't tell me that. He didn't, no, Cody, Lauren told me that. No. Now I'm really sowing seeds of discord. Okay, it could apply to either of them. <laughs> you know, where they're going, what am I doing? Or how about, you know, after you've been up for six days straight with a little one? <laughs> And you're a parent, and you're going, what am I doing? You know, or, or you're sitting here listening to some knucklehead preacher going, and you're sitting there going, what am I doing? I could be doing this, or I could be doing that. There are all instances, notice I left Darlene and I out of this. You know, so I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a little bit off because of the, uh, the ungodly swine that I ate on Thanksgiving. Uh, which has caused me to be ill for the past week, um, but I haven't completely lost my mind. So I'll leave both. I'll, I'll refer to myself uh, a little bit later on. I, I mean, actually, you know, I, it, it, again, uh, we we're family, right? So we, you know, I, I involve you in decisions, and you know, there have been many times when I've sat at my job and said, "What am I doing?" <laughs> you know, I I left that to do this. For uh, and I say it's pauper's wage. It's not pauper's wages, but it's not. It's not what I could be making. Well, what am I doing? You know, the point that I'm making is that you know I want you to understand that what we're talking about today <laughs> is something that is relevant to us. There are times in our lives where we all sit back and go, "What am I doing? What am I doing?" And in those instances, the first thing that we should ask, the, 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 we should start with the most basic question. And that most basic question is this. Am I in God's will? 
Am I doing what God wants me to do? Because if I am doing what God wants me to do, then that's 90% of addressing the frustration and the bewilderment and the discouragement that we often experience when we ask ourselves, what on earth am I doing? So we begin with, with, with this most basic question, am I in God's will? And to answer that, I want to just briefly, for a few moments, go through a refresher on God's will. And I, I believe that, that sometimes we, you know, we treat certain topics and in, in, in areas of our Christian walk as though we completely understand them and we don't need any refresher on them. Well, I believe we need a refresher on God's will. We should understand some fundamental truths as it relates to God's will. First of all, we have to understand the multifaceted perspective of God and that God's will is itself multifaceted. So, and, and we're not going over anything new, and I don't want to spend a great deal of time on this this morning, but it's just a refresher of God's will. We have to understand that, first of all, God has a will of permission. God has a will of permission. And that means that He is determined to permit His people to take certain actions that would be in accordance with His will. In other words, God doesn't direct you to do something, but He permits you. To do something there, and by the way, there's more. There are more theological implications as it relates to man's evil activity here on this earth, uh, that in regards to God's will of permission. But that's not our that's not our, our our pursuit this morning. We're talking about God's will of permission, where He permits us to take certain actions. He permits us to do certain things that are not sinful activities, and they would fall in accordance with God's will. Then there's God's will of purpose. His will of purpose. This is where God works things as to His final determination as to what He will do. And these relate to the decrees of God. None can stay God's hand. What God says He will do, He will do. That's God's will of purpose. And then there is God's will of precept. And what, what is also described as His approbative will or His will of disposition. God's will of precept. And this, this aspect or facet of God's will is what it would be pleasing to God that man should do. And of course, this involves His, his commandments. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 10, the Bible reads, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so we're talking about God's will of precept, what He wants man to do. Here we have the revealed will of God that falls under God's will of precept. And where do we find the revealed will of God? We find it in His Word. Right? You say, I want to know what God's revealed will is. It's in His Word. You can read what God does want you to do and what God doesn't want you to do. And then there's the mysterious will of God that is also part of God's will of precept. And that's where God manifests to individuals His secret will or His mysterious will. And we've talked about this through the years many times. You won't find in the Bible the name of the person that God wants you to marry. You won't find in the Bible the specific job that He wants you to have. You won't find in the Bible the location where God wants you to live. When Brother Steve was pondering his retirement and seeking God's will about his retirement, 
he didn't go to the book of Proverbs and find a passage that said Steve Harris shall retire from his earthly job on August such and such in the year of. You know, it's, we, we don't have that. That's God's mysterious will in which he deals with his people and he gives us commandments and direction um, as to what he wants us to do. And so, so what I want us to take away from this refresher is that there, there is the will of permission of God where he permits us to do certain things. And then there's God's will of precept where he directs us to do certain things. Now, how do we tie this together? Well, we're talking about us finding ourselves in these situations in our lives where we're led to the point where we say to ourselves, what am I doing? The first thing that we have to question is, have I been authorized to proceed? In other words, is what I am doing God's will? And in answering that, it can be God's will in two ways. It can be God's will in that God has permitted you to do this, or permitted you to be where you're at, or it's God's will because He directed you to do what you're doing or to be what you're at. Now, in Jonah's case, you all remember Jonah? Which will of God applied in Jonah's life? Did God give Jonah the option of going to Nineveh or not? It was God's direction that he was going to go to... God specifically directed him to go to Nineveh. Now, that was God's will of precept. But you know, it isn't always God's will of precept in our lives that we're where we're at or we're doing what we're doing. Sometimes God allows us to do certain things and it falls within His will of purpose and, and His will for our lives. Now that's important because after we have taken this refresher on God's will, I want to secondly here, as we're talking about asking this question, have I been authorized to proceed? We want to review Peter's actions. We want to review Peter's actions. We've already given you the context of what's happening here in Matthew chapter 14. And by the way, I would also want to point out to you in your own study, if you want to uh, review this, you, we also find Mark recording this incident in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 54. And also John in John chapter 6, verses 15 through 21. Although in Mark and John's version of what happens... We don't find them speaking about Peter actually walking on the water. We find them recording Jesus coming to them, and so there's that aspect of it. But we must review Peter's actions. We've already given you the context of what's happened. They're out in the middle of the night in this ship that is in the midst of a, of a, a tempestuous storm or a hurricane. Jesus comes walking on the water to them. They think he's a ghost. They're terrified. They cry out. Jesus begins to calm their fears and say, don't be afraid. It's me. Okay, that, that's where we're at. Now watch Peter. I submit to you that Peter, along with the other disciples, was first of all where Jesus wanted them. And I say this because we look at verse number 22. Now watch. Look at verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Do you see what's taking place here? Jesus commanded his disciples to get into this ship and go where they were going. Now he commanded them to do that knowing that he wasn't going to be in the ship with them. Knowing that they were going to be in the midst of this hurricane that was going to rise up. The first lesson that we get from this is that if you're ever going to 
properly address your frustration and bewilderment when you are led to ask yourself, what am I doing? You have to be where God wants you to be, right? They were where God wanted them to be. Peter was where God wanted him to be. He was in this ship with the other disciples in the midst of this storm, in the middle of the night, without the Lord's presence in the ship. Now, that, I hope, helps you. Because sometimes when we're asking ourselves, what am I doing? We say, well, I can't possibly be doing the right thing. Because here I am having all of this resistance. I'm in the middle of this, the, the sea in this ship, in the middle of the night, in this hurricane. I must have not done something right. I must have not heard the Lord correctly. And you know what? You could be exactly where God wants you. So we have to understand that, right? He was where, Peter was where Jesus wanted him. And secondly, this is important. He was doing what Jesus allowed him to do. So with Jonah, we had God's will of will of of, of, of precept, where God is directing Jonah to go to Nineveh. But what do we have applicable here with Peter? Well, I believe we have God's will of permission. Because watch, watch the wording. Look at verse number 27, just so we gain the context. Down to verse 29. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, as I be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Who initiated this interaction? It wasn't the Lord that appeared to them and singled Peter out and said to them, He didn't say, it is I, be of good cheer, be not afraid. Peter, get out of the boat and come to me. Peter's the one that initiated this discussion with the Lord. And Peter initiates it and he says, Lord, if it's you... Now, I don't want to talk... There's a message we could preach on why Peter asked him to come out on the water, right? He said, if it's you. So that indicates that there was some doubt as to whether or not they, they really believed this was the Lord. He said, if it be you, right? But that's another another sermon for another day but Peter said Peter addresses the Lord and what is Peter doing he's requesting permission he's saying if it's you tell me to come out unto you unto you on the water and then what what does the Lord say in verse 29 and he said come and he said come this was God's will of permission he asked Jesus to let him come on out unto him on the water and that's exactly what he did. Now, you know what? Here's a lesson we got to learn. Sometimes when we ask the Lord for permission, you got to be prepared for what's coming. <laughs> okay? Lord, if you let me do this, I'll follow you. And, 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 and the Lord lets us do it. And then things get rough. We begin to sink. And now, now oh, what am, what am I doing? You know, I mean, Lord, and I can't tell you how many times, you know, again, I I don't mean to be uh, self-centered this morning. I don't mean to just focus on myself. But I can't tell you how many times in going to law school and then studying for the bar and then failing the bar the first time and then desiring to pass the bar the second time and desiring to make a difference and desiring to do something to help victims. I can't tell you how many times, even up to this day, I've found myself going, (laughs) am I crazy? 
What am I doing? I mean, is there something wrong with me? Have I misread what God has wanted me to do? And you know the thing is that 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 that, that I've asked God to guide me. And Lord, if it, if this is what you want, Lord, give me the permission to do this. And so sometimes we got to live with the fact that God is wanting us to do this and we've we've come to God and man, there's a whole theological there's a whole theological message in there as to well, why did we ask the Lord? <laughs> Was the, was the Spirit working in us, or was it just me? Like, see, there's implication. When you begin to peel this onion back, look, we could be very, we could be very nominal, studying Christians, or we can get deep into this thing, man. Right? We can get deep into the Scriptures. The point that I'm making is that we're reviewing Peter's actions. Peter is out on the midst of the sea. He's walking on the water. I would submit to you that that no one else here. Or that no one else that, that might listen to this message has ever physically walked on the water. Peter did. And as far as we know, he's the only other one other than the Lord Jesus Christ that did that. And here he is, and he had to be thinking in his mind as he gets out of the boat, why did I do that? <laughs> what is wrong with me? Why did I get out of the boat? What was I thinking? What am I doing? You know, man, I'm going back to Louisiana. I'm going back to Ohio. I'm going back to Pennsylvania. If you do, you got Fetterman, by the way. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> Fetterman, Pritzker, I, you know. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, what am I doing? Steve, Brother Steve's got the only viable option, I think, is Texas, you know. What am I doing, Okay. Well, we have to make sure that what we're doing, either God has commanded us to do or He's allowed us to do. See, because if you get to the point in your life where you're going, what am I doing? And you don't have the assurance that God has either told you to do it or allowed you to do it, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> and you might well be asking, what am I doing? Because you're doing the wrong thing. But this message this morning is more geared to help us be encouraged in doing the right thing in knowing that God has either commanded us to do it or allowed us to do it. Remember, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 21, verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Proverbs 14, verses 12, and uh, chapter 16, verse 25, they say the same thing in the book of Proverbs. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so we must be careful that we are not following our own way, the very first question that we must ask is, have I been authorized to proceed? Now, Peter was authorized to proceed. He had asked God's permission, and Jesus allowed him to come out on the water. We move then to the second question that we want to hopefully encourage you with, and that is, am I apprehensive of the perception? In other words, we find ourselves asking, what on earth am I doing? And our concern is really about what others may think about what we are doing. How do you think others might have perceived Peter's actions? Okay, so you're in this boat. And, you know, you're, you're, there's 12 of you. Okay? And you spend all your time together. You know each other. Do you think that they knew Peter's personality? Wasn't Peter always the guy that was out front there? You know, and again, I'm not being disres- 
disrespectful to our dear brother Peter. Um, when we're in heaven, you, you ever think about that? We're going to get to visit with Peter, okay? Um, and and Peter is not, you know, I mean, he he's not unique, okay? But Peter was that guy that was always at the forefront. And don't you think that there are probably times when the others would say, oh, there he goes again. Man, would you just shut up and sit down? Why do you always have to be the greasy wheel, Peter? Why are you always out there, man? You're always like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, you know? And these were just men, right? These were just men just like you and I. Um, what, what do you think they thought of Peter getting out on the water? Now, I'm asking from a fleshly standpoint, not from a spiritual standpoint. Imagine you're in the boat, okay? Imagine we're all in a boat, and Jim says, I'm going to walk on the water. You know, first of all, we're like, okay, knucklehead, go ahead. Go for it. And, 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 then, and then he gets out, and he's actually walking on the water. And we're like, Wow. That's pretty amazing. We have to be careful that our actions are not molded by what we what we are fearful that others may perceive. Why is he doing what he's doing? There could have been those in the boat that said to Peter, "You can't do that. Who do you think you are, Peter?" You're not any better than us, Peter. Why don't you just sit there and be quiet, Peter? And, and, and Peter wasn't doing this for his own glory. Peter wasn't doing this so he could have the glory of saying, I walked on the water. The point is that sometimes we can find ourselves hesitant in saying, what am I doing? Because we're afraid. We're apprehensive of the perception that others may have. And I want to, I want to warn you, first of all, that our only concern should be what the Lord wants. We've already talked about this. But Peter, notice, Peter did not consult with the other disciples and say, hey man, you think I should do this? Now, I want to say this, and you understand this. This is not, this is not an exhaustive message. It might be an exhausting message. But it's not an exhaustive message on, on seeking the will of God and, and handling this because you certainly know and understand by the preponderance of Scripture and other messages that it's good for us to get counsel. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't get counsel. But what I am saying is that when, G, when Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come unto you, and Jesus said, come on, Peter didn't look back and say, hey guys, what do you think? You think I should go? No, he went. Paul on the road to Damascus when the Lord saved him he said Lord what will thou have me to do and so we cannot be swayed by our apprehension or fear of the perception of others we must do what we are going to do there are always going to be critics well what do you folks think you're doing over there with that church man you guys are a cult there's a handful of you you know, I mean, what, you guys really think you're, a, you have the audacity to think you're a church. Who gave you that authority to do that? Well, the Lord. Fear not, little flock. You know, I mean, here, here I am, and again, I allude to my own experience just because I, I can share this with you. Here I am, you know, at 50 years old going to law school. 
who does that? I can assure you I didn't do that for any honor or glory because you know the reputation of attorneys, okay? And I can assure you I didn't do that to make a bunch of money because if so, it ain't happening. By my choice, might I add. By my, by my I like to refer to it as obedience to the Lord, but you get what I'm saying. Like, who, who does that? What do you think you're doing? Oh, you're going to go be smarter than everybody. You're, what, what is wrong with you? And you make the application in your own life. What do you do? Oh, you're going to do that. I want you to think about the fact that not only our only concern should be what the Lord wants, but we have to understand there's always going to be critics. What in the world was Noah doing? <laughs> Well, what is Noah doing building this, this big boat? Are you nuts, Noah? Can, can you imagine Noah? And again, I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to your human aspect this morning, not necessarily your spiritual side, but can you imagine Noah at, at, at multiple points in building this boat? You, you think Noah ever said, what am I doing? <laughs> he trusted God. He believed God, but he was also human. Were there not times when maybe he thought to himself, what am I doing? You ever think Jeremiah thought to himself, in fact, we know that he did. You ever think there were times when Jeremiah thought to himself, what am I doing? I'm preaching this message of captivity and that God's people are supposed to submit to going into captivity for 70 years. What am I doing? And you know how I know Jeremiah said to his own self, what am I doing? Because he also said that he was going to shut his mouth and stop doing it. Jeremiah, what am I doing? How about Nehemiah when he's called of God? And again, I believe Nehemiah is one of those instances where it was God's will of permission where Nehemiah hears the condition of his homeland and he goes back to his homeland to rebuild the wall in the city of Jerusalem and he's doing a good thing. And what's he doing? How's that met? with the opposition. Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? In fact, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 3, listen to this. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. So they're there going, What what do you think? You think you're going to rebuild the wall? You are incapable of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem if a fox traverses the wall, a fox can walk, can can knock down what you're building. What are you doing? You think there were ever moments when the people of Israel said, what, what are we doing here, man? There are always going to be critics. Jesus had many critics. Do you know Jesus had critics even of his own household? John 7 and verse number 5, his brothers didn't even believe him. And how about this in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 21. And when his friends heard of it, this is Jesus calling out his disciples, right? So in Mark chapter 3 up through this, Jesus calling out his disciples and sending them forth. And in Mark 3 verse 21 it says, And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said he is beside himself. He's crazy. Hey, brother, hey, brother, we got to talk to you because, you know, you're off your gourd. I remember, and again, I mean, I'm just going to be blunt, but I remember when I accepted the pastorate at Landmark Baptist Church in Collinsville. I had more than one preacher 
call me and say, in essence, are you crazy? What are you doing? <laughs> By the way, they were right. No, I'm kidding about that. I, I firmly believe it was God's will for me to go there. What am I doing? And, and, and by the way, might I add, there were times after I was there where I sat there and I said, what am I doing? How long do I have to stay here, Lord? You know, I mean, goodness. Uh, are you apprehensive of the perception? Because that can affect what you're doing. It can lead you to ask, what, what, what am I doing? And then there's a third question that we ask. And we'll quickly be done. That question is this. When I am led to ask myself, what am I doing? Am I reacting to what is only an appearance of peril? In other words, am I seeing things rightly? Peter was literally walking on the water, was he not? I mean, again, look at verse number 29. And he said, come, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He's literally walking on the water. And yet, how quickly it changed for Peter. We can be in the midst of following the Lord and knowing that we're doing what the Lord is authorized to do. We've been authorized to proceed. We're not concerned about what others think. We know what God's will is. We're doing what God told us to do. And then all of a sudden, things can change just like that. Now, am I reacting to only what is only an appearance of peril? First of all, we may be undergoing a test of our constancy when we are led to ask, what am I doing, right? And when I say led to ask, we're led to ask of our own, of our own spirit. We may be undergoing a test of our constancy. Now, I just read verse number 29 to you. Now, let's read verse number 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. We know Peter was impulsive, right? He was impulsive. But Peter had faith to get out of the boat and follow the Lord. So he was doing what the Lord wanted him to do. And yet he still finds himself in this situation where many of us, and I, I dare say Peter probably as well at some point uh, here in the instant, instantaneous uh, uh, motions of his mind said, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I would say that, that Peter had faith to get out of the boat. But his faith was not perfected. And when I say perfected, I don't mean perfect as in without error. But it was not what it needed to be because his faith was lacking in that he did not remain constant in his faith. Herbert Lockyer, who wrote a work on the parables and the miracles of the Lord Jesus, really of, of the whole Bible, Herbert Lockyer wrote this. The difference between the impulse of faith and the test of reality was quickly manifest. For looking at the turbulent waves, Peter became afraid. In the conflict between sight and faith, faith went out and fear came in. Peter turned his eyes from the master and focused them on the surging waves, and because he feared, he fell. And you know there's a lesson for us, that when things are tough and difficult, and we begin to, to have turbulent times. We begin to see ourselves sinking. It doesn't mean that we're out of the will of Lord, the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're doing the wrong thing. We could be reacting to what is only an appearance of evil. 
It is a question of whether or not we were going to walk by faith or walk by sight. What did Peter see? What did he see? Well, to answer that, you have to answer the question of what was he looking at? You see? What was he looking at? You say, well, Peter saw, he saw that the wind was boisterous. Well, why did he see the wind was boisterous? Because he wasn't looking at Jesus. He was looking away from Jesus. See, when you look at Jesus, you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you remember, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I have a, I have a, a, a person in the, in the, in the uh, form of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who said He will never leave me nor forsake me. And when you see Jesus, and when your eyes are on Jesus, you have some confidence and some faith. But when you see the wind boisterous, what happens then? You're walking by sight and not by faith. And so, so we learn a lesson here. That we're not to lean on our own understanding. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. We're to trust the Lord in all of our ways and in all things. Now I say that we ought to ask this question. Am I reacting to what is only an appearance of peril? Was Peter really in any peril ever? You say, well, well, man, he's out there. He's, he's fallen into the water. But who was there? It was an appearance of peril. You get what I'm saying? And so, so he, we may be undergoing a test of our constancy. And, and secondly, when we're talking about questioning whether reacting to what is only an appearance of peril, we, has to, we have to grasp Jesus' closeness. Don't miss this in this recorded uh, account of what happened between Peter and the Lord. I want you to look at verse number 31. Now Peter has asked the Lord to save him, right? To rescue him from, from drowning. Verse 31, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Now I want to ask you this. And, and I, don't mean to be, I don't mean to be irreverent this morning, but how long do you think Jesus' arms were? You guys remember Minute Bowl? Seven foot six basketball player, man. That guy's wingspan was about as wide as this room. Okay, you know, you see some guys, their arms like literally like go down to the floor. How long do you think Jesus's arms were? He's a regular man. I mean, six two, something like that. You know, I mean, he's a regular man. He didn't have arms that were superhuman length. Okay, they weren't like Stretch Armstrong. The point that I'm making is this. Do you see this? Peter had to have been right by Jesus when he's panicking. Because Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and caught him. He had to be right there with him. And so we have to grasp Jesus' closeness that when we are experiencing these things and we're saying, what on earth am I doing? I have made the most ridiculous decision in my life. I've screwed up my entire life. I, I just I can't believe I've done this. What was I thinking? What am I doing? You're panicking and you need to take a deep breath and step back and realize Jesus is close. Now, now keep in mind, this is all predicated on the fact that you have authorization to proceed. Okay? If you don't have authorization to proceed, then now you're in trouble. Okay. But if you have authorization, Peter had authorization to proceed. Jesus is right there. We, I submit to you that we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
According to Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 24, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is always there to gird us up. There was only an appearance of peril on Peter's part. There wasn't really the, the danger of him perishing. I mean, do you really think that, that Jesus is going to allow Peter to perish in the sea? Of course not. And you, you, you sit there, and okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think it's silly to even ask the question? I mean, do you really think Jesus would allow him to perish? And you say, well, of course he wouldn't allow him to perish. Well, why would he not let Peter perish, but he would let you perish? You see, you see, it's easy to say, well, of course he wouldn't let Peter perish. Well, what about you? We're just as important to the Lord as Peter, right? So, so let's make this personal. And I want you to know that, that lastly, as we conclude the message... With Jesus, we can complete the task. What am I doing? What have I done? Oh yeah, this is what the Lord either wanted me to do or gave me permission to do. And you know what? With the Lord's, with the Lord's help and assistance, I can complete the task. I don't have to be bewildered. I don't have to be defeated. I don't have to be discouraged. I don't have to be, be in such a state where I'm in constant turmoil. Uh, I can complete the task. Now watch this. And I, again, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever focus on this in reading this account. But I want you to look at verse number thirty-two. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Now who is they? They is Jesus and Peter. How do you think they got back into the ship? Because verse number 31, as we read it again, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth His hand and caught him. It doesn't say Jesus stretched forth His hand and picked him up and laid him on His shoulder and took him back to the ship. You know what I believe happened? I believe Jesus stretched forth His hand and caught Peter and settled Peter such that Peter was able to walk back to the ship. You ever think about that? Oh, Peter was walking on the water and he got afraid and he saw the wind and he fell down and the Lord caught him. Well, there's a second part to this. They had to get back to the boat. And I submit to you that Peter walked back to the boat. You ever been in a situation you're training your children or maybe when you're a kid, you know, and you, you, let's, say you're, you, let's say you're trying to train your child how to ride the bike and, and then they fall and they scuff their knee. And then, and then what do you say? And then they're afraid to do it again. And you say, it's okay, you never have to do it again. You don't say that. You say, no, you know what, we're going to get back up on the bike, and we're going to do it till you get it. Okay, right? I mean, if there are some people, no doubt, in our society that their parents did that to them. Oh, Johnny, you don't ever have to do it again. You know, and then they wind up being like senators and, you know, the president and things like that. Okay. <laughs> Did they make Biden get back on his bike when he fell? I don't even remember. I, you know, um, But I digress. I firmly believe Peter walked back to the boat on the water. You can complete the task when the Lord is with you. When you've determined that you've been authorized to proceed and you don't care what people think, you're not apprehensive of the perception, you, you can reach a point where you evaluate whether or not you're reacting to what is only an appearance of evil. Am I, am I crying out, what am I doing 
because I'm afraid, and what I'm afraid of is not really something that I need to be afraid of because it's only the appearance of peril. Well, you and I are going to have certain points in our lives where we are led by our own humanity and our own flesh to cry out in frustration or bewilderment, what am I doing? And when that happens, I want you to remember Peter's interaction with the Lord. And recall that there are three questions that we can ask that will help us deal with this situation when we are wondering, what am I doing? Have I been authorized to proceed? Am I apprehensive of the perception of others? Am I reacting in what is only an appearance of evil? Let's pray.